Is there anything worse than a dull blade? Well, yeah, lots of things, I guess. Poverty, war, 90s Christian ska music played on a loop. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Seriously, though, a dull blade is bad. It's unusable. In fact, it's downright dangerous. Knives need sharpening. From Whetstone Boys Ranch in Mountain View, Missouri, comes A Time to Sharpen, a bi-weekly podcast that examines how we can all be better versions of ourselves, better teachers, better counselors, better parents, better people. Two little letters, N and O. They shouldn't be so hard to say, but there are times when it's just so much easier to take the path of least resistance. We grow weary of the struggle. And teenagers have a way of wearing you down. Am I right or am I right? Join us this week for a friendly discussion about if, when, and how to say no to our kids. It ain't easy, but if you don't have this tool in your belt, you'll never build, or if necessary, repair your relationship with them. Welcome back to A Time to Sharpen. This is Axel Limata. I'm here with Brandon Maxwell. All right. We're back at it, man. Howdy, Brandon. We got some... I uh, appreciate the mood lighting that you put in here. Thank I you. I mean, I don't know if that's the, <laughs> the right word for it, but it's... Uh, <laughs> that works. Uh, yeah. I like the word atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe milieu. That's better. To use a French term. Yeah, that's a word we use here. Yeah. The milieu. milieu just the environment. It's uh, nice. We were getting a slight... An ever so slight buzzing sound. Not sure if the sharpeners out there detected it, but I thought I would attempt to uh, to filter it out by turning off the overheads well, and yeah, the, putting on the mood lighting. The bright LEDs in your face, it's, it's never good. No. Lamp light. It's not good for the here, uh, endorphins, good. is it? Something mm-hmm. like that. You're, what are the levels of uh, the good the good uh, hormones that you get from natural light? I forget what it's called. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in, endorphins maybe. Uh oh, your phone. That's not Is mine. That, that's you. Oh, that's me. Oh man, that's me. We're gonna have to. Edit <laughs> Do we that need to out. stop the podcast and let you uh, address that? No pressing uh, building uh, builders or architects or plumbers saying, "Hey, get out here, Brandon." I don't know. It's probably we need you now. New, uh, Chamber of Commerce. Is oh, okay. Because that, that would kind of be par so. for the course. Are we that's still a recording? Lot of your life. Actually, I think we are. <laughs> I hit record. All right. But hey, now you have a little taste of our life. That's right. As, as we say, wearing many hats. Yeah. Well, I, I like today because it's just it's you and me. It's been a while since we uh, we just had a conversation. Just the two of us. I know. To process what's going on. A little therapy session. We don't have to pretend and put on our good face, you know, for guests and give the tour and, you know, pretend like we have it all together. You know, we can just, we can freewheel and talk about, uh, you know, what's on our heart. Not that we can't with guests, but there's a, there's a level of just comfort that, you know, we have with each other that you don't have when you're meeting someone for the first time. Uh, Did really enjoy having... Brian and Ben on the show last time. Uh, yeah, if you haven't listened great. to that, go back into the the archive and listen to that one. But yeah, a couple solid guys. It was good to get them out here, and really yeah. hope to partner with them in the future. And mm-hmm. who knows what God's got? Already in store. took some of their advice and uh, seeded a field. Oh yeah, right. Got our food food plots mm-hmm. planted and took advantage of some of the rain that we've had recently. So yeah. you and I actually went out there. 
today we looked at the construction site and also went out there to the food plots and Few yeah. of those little seedlings are starting to sprout. Took so a little spin in the side by side and shot a few videos. So if you haven't been on Facebook lately, check that out yeah. and uh, maybe you can see Brandon. Oh, did you post those already? Uh, not yet, oh, okay. but by the time people listen to this, yes. two weeks from now, a week from They'll now, that it'll be up for sure. They're so. there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, today we are going to talk about saying no. I think we've talked quite a bit about saying yes. And how, as parents, teachers, and counselors, we should not be dream killers. We should affirm our children and our, our students, um, those placed in our care, and try to be as, as positive as we can. But there comes a time when, you know, your no needs to be no. And you have to draw a line in the sand or whatever euphemism you want to use for, for that. Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. But it's perhaps... You know, one at the very top of the list of the things that you have to learn how to do if you're going to be effective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's essential. I've been uh, actually reading through the Proverbs uh, the last couple months, and it really, it's amazing when you go through those at a, a normal rate, one a day, or, you know, what you just, you're in that space fairly often that space being proverbs and just the wisdom there it's uh it's amazing how many times it references just uh discipline and how that's good and why we need that and why Mm -hmm. you know basically no and having that structure or boundary is uh is important i mean those are just basically wisdom from god straight from solomon saying Mm -hmm. hey you you need to have some boundaries and this is healthy and it's and it's good it's so, a sign that God loves us and yeah. that we are his, his children, his sons, his daughters. The Bible talks a lot about that, that we should take it as a sign that, um, that we're in relationship with him, really. I mean, what kind of a relationship? You don't have a relationship if you don't have boundaries, if you don't have mutual respect, if you don't have a place where one person starts and the other person begins, right? I mean, that's codependency. That's, yeah. That leads to all kinds of really unhealthy situations. So, but when you're dealing with teenagers, saying no is especially difficult because they're almost wired to rebel against whatever boundaries have been set up to that point in their life. And that's good and that's healthy because they need to be questioning and developing their own identity. But it's not as easy as it was when they were little and you could say no and literally pick them up, move them to a crib, plop them down let them scream for however long they want. Right. You know, a 13-year-old's not going to stay in the crib. You can't pick the 13-year-old up by the, by the shoulders and place them in there. We so, don't, yeah, we don't advise that. I no, we don't. Get CPS um, no, showing up at your door. Not good. Uh, no bueno. No bueno. So we, talk, we thought we'd have a real practical discussion today about some things that, that we do here at the ranch that, that we found effective because we have to say no quite a bit and we have to hold the line. And it's not fun, but it's a part of what we do. And in the long run, it makes for a, a much more healthy and, and enjoyable relationship. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is creating more joy, not being joy killers. Exactly. And I like what you said about just being the, the teenage years. It's good to understand that, you know, God wired them, all of us at that age, to to question things and to try to understand uh, different things that are 
kind of swirling around in their head. You know, you think back to the teenage years, there's just a lot of, there's hormones and then there's not too far where you're going to, you know, the independence uh, idea of where you get your license and that you're trying to break away from your parents a little bit and kind of that cleave mm. um, that is formed and you're going to be out of the house soon. And so all that stuff, you know, it's natural for teenagers to, to question those things. And so we just want to make that clear. It's just like, sometimes it's frustrating. A lot of times it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's, it's who God made them to be and made us to be at that time. And that's part of the process, um, of them growing up. And if we can, can guide them, um, through that, then, you know, the other side, you'll, you'll come out on the other side. For sure. Yeah. And probably, I don't want to start with, um, an illustration. Someone, used to explain what what creating boundaries does in terms of its relationship with joy is they they did a study and i say they i don't know who exactly they is but someone <laughs> yeah. who had some some scientific chop, chops for developing these studies decided that they would they would take two groups of kindergartners i think was the was the study and they would have one group where they gave them a boundary. They, there was a fence, and they said, you can play anywhere you want in this playground as long as you don't go beyond the fence. And the other group of kids, they said, you have no boundaries. You can do whatever you want. Well, it turns out that the kids who had the boundaries explored every inch of that playground and had the best time possible. The kids who weren't given boundaries basically huddled around the teacher because they didn't know where to go. Yeah. Right? And so they're their experience was limited by the fact that they didn't have boundaries, which is the opposite of what you would expect. Right. right. I think that's, that's really illus- illustrative of, of how rules create freedom. Rules are a part of the process of, of freedom. And that no rules is the opposite of freedom. It's a kind of slavery to yourself. Yeah. It's a slavery to self-doubt and anxiety and, and all these, these bad things. Yeah. That's interesting. It made me think of... Just, you know, being here on the ranch and different times we have animals or if you see cattle, get some new animals into your pasture, very often those those cows will go in there and they'll walk the whole perimeter of a field mm-hmm. just to see their new space and to check, okay, where are my boundaries? Where are the gates? Where can I go? And they go out and explore that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just instinctual for them to go and explore, maybe push on those boundaries and if they know that they're going to hold if you have a nice tight fence it's mm-hmm. like okay i know i can't go over here and so it's interesting just seeing in the animal world just they test their boundaries they, they want to know where their boundaries are yeah. and it's almost instinctual in us to have and in that. the end you're going to have a much healthier animal so. you're not going to have one that wanders off and gets gets run over gets well yeah, yeah i mean that attacked, yeah. you know exactly yeah the safety um is also a part of that so um, now it's time for the nitty gritty. So let's talk about. Let's just let's start with you, Brandon. Okay, uh, a boy at the ranch has come and uh, up to you, and he said, "Hey, Brandon, can I, can I have this? Can I do that? You know." And it's it's not allowed here at Whetstone. It's not quote unquote in the manual, as we say. Yeah. And uh, we've learned over the course of twelve years that this activity, while it may be fun while it may be good in other situations, doesn't work here at the ranch. 
So you realize that as an employee, as a responsible employee at Whetstone, and you follow your, your training and you follow the rules as an employee. You say, well, I'm sorry, we can't do that. The answer is, is no. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So no. the boy then says, oh, thank you. I understand, Mr. Maxwell. That's, I trust that you have thought all, through all the possible consequences of, of this activity and you're making a decision for my best interest. And I, th- I appreciate that. And I understand it's going to give me uh, more joy in the long run. Yes, that's the answer we get all the time. That is, that's it. You nailed it. So, no, if that was, I don't know that I've ever, yeah, that's, uh, have you even, ever, any, have you anything ever close anything to that? Close to, no, no. no, nothing even close to that is kind of, unfortunately. But we, we like to say around here, I think Jeremy started this, uh, you know, our, our secondary mission, our, our first mission mm-hmm. statement is we will sharpen the character of young men. Or sharp, you know, basically sharpening the character of young men. Right. Sorry, we've kind of whittled it down from the original long one. Yeah. But the second one is we'll sharpen the character of young men by saying no. Mm-hmm. So short and sweet. But that is just kind of the scenario that that you brought up there. It's very evident with most of our boys how the word no has probably not entered their vocabulary in a while. Um, A lot of our kids are entitled and have gotten uh, many things given to them and Mm -hmm. parents uh, seemingly trying to be friends with their sons and given by giving them, you know, everything that they want. And, and and on the other side too, no is a trigger because they've been denied some of our boys, some things that they do need. Yeah, right? that's a good so they point. don't associate no with something spoken in love. It's always right. been spoken a, like in authoritative a way. So, neglect. Or, yeah, so we get the two extremes. There's the the spoiled kind of no where they never have heard it, they don't understand it. Yeah. And then there's the other one that reacts instinctively to, well, this is deprivation. This is no one loves me and everything like right. that. Both kids need to hear no and and react to it appropriately. But how you say it and how you address it may be, may be different depending upon the boy. Yeah, that's a, a good point. Yeah. So back to the original scenario. Boy comes up, you says no, you say no. Um, what are some techniques that you've learned when, when, he do, when he doesn't appreciate that, when he doesn't respect that, when he continues to do what you've told him not to do or attempts to do something that you know is yeah not good for him? Well, I think teenagers are good at trying to wear you out mm-hmm. right and so that's yeah. that's where kind of the rubber hits the road as parents or or care workers a lot of times is uh they they wear you out with that to to where you acquiesce to saying yes mm-hmm. and so kind of as far as the ranch and how we handle that you know certainly when a boy comes in initially we let them know we give them the manual they kind of have the idea of what the, the the structure is the boundaries what they can and can't do and have a grace period so some of those things we let slide uh for a little bit just because they're kind of getting their feet underneath them here but it's about a two-week period where we'll start holding them accountable it's like I'm, you may not agree with this you may not understand it you, you may think this is the dumbest rule in the world that's that's okay Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to understand everything, but you just need to understand that this is the expectation, and this is 
Uh, and it's good to explain. It's good to explain to kids. Sure. Like we don't. There's a time and a place where it's just like you need to obey because it's for your own safety. Basically, you know. Sometimes it's just a basic safety factor. But mm-hmm. more often than not, our kids deserve an explanation. Like let's give them the due diligence of of giving them the explanation of like, hey, I'll explain this to you. I, you know, if, if you don't fully understand it, that's fine. But there's a reason why mm-hmm. we do this, and so I think that helps us as uh, as parents to really be able to uh, if we can give that explanation and and have a, a real conversation with our kids about that that helps them at least understand a little yeah. more why it's there they may not still like it but at least they understand more so treat them with dignity and respect yeah treat exactly. them as young adults right in training yeah um, yeah that was the word great. i was looking for mm-hmm. dignity not and, due and also i think you you illustrated this you didn't you didn't specify but i you, your tone of voice when you were saying that was very flat right very unemotional you weren't raising the pitch right there was no sense that you were angry that yeah. you had to tell me no right so those nonverbal things that you are employing as you're telling someone no are really important you can communicate care and concern you can communicate respect and, and dignity yeah. just by the way that you look them in the eye or the, how you modulate your voice. Yeah, because a lot of important. times you get into a power struggle, mm-hmm. right? You, and then you, yeah. That's when you start elevating your voice and you start uh, kind of losing the relationship or losing the, the effectiveness of what you're trying to do. Right. You know, that actually... <laughs> tell that story about Thompson and the... Uh, <laughs> As far as is it time? Is it? I mean, okay. Maybe. I just thought no, about raising your it. voice, and it, it wasn't necessarily a power struggle, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Well, as yeah. as you mentioned previously, Jeremy is fond of saying we will sharpen the character of young men by saying no, and uh, not just Jeremy, but you and I have used that yeah, quite a bit always. over the years. But uh, you know, he really latches onto that sometimes. And on Adventure Week, there are situations where you're constantly getting bombarded with questions from boys about doing this, that, or the other thing. Well, this was, I think, near the end of the adventure week. And at the end, we usually go out to a restaurant or do something special. And so these... staff's already pretty tired. Yeah. These are times usually when the boys, they've already been a week, you know, uh, without, right? And feeling deprived. and, And they go right back to a zone of, I want this, I want that, and kind of entitlement. And we were out at a restaurant, and we had told them beforehand, as we almost always do, you can order this, this, or this. These are your options. And uh, we went in there, and right out the gate, well, can I get this? Well, that wasn't what I told you you could get. Well, can I get this? Can I get that? Can I get this? (laughs) And he was like, no, no. And he was real patient for a while. And then he had just just reached his limit of what he was going to say no. So this is right in the restaurant, you know, public setting. And he's like, no, 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 like that. (laughs) And he kept like raising his voice and saying no. And, uh, and everyone was kind of like looking around, like, what is going on Has this guy lost it? And, uh, it was, uh, that's not necessarily best practice, you know, all the time, but there are situations where you have to assert yourself and, I tell you what, no one asked him again for the rest of the time we were in that restaurant. Yeah. So that was it was effective. Well, yeah, well that, you know, there's also just the illustration of, you know, our kids, we just reach a point that's mm-hmm. a breaking point where I mean obviously yeah. that was effective in, in that moment, but there's other times where 
we lose it, you know, and we have to go back and repair the relationship and oh, yeah. apologize. And, you know, there's plenty of times of that. Yeah, um, and we're making this sound easy right now, but, you know, you're in the moment. You've yeah. already said no 100,000 times to this particular child, student, client. And and so it's it's all that baggage of yeah. not just saying no the one time and being in control of my emotions. It's the weight of all of the times that you've had to, you've been in conflict with this person. And so you revert back to a, you know, a quote unquote script, yeah. like emotionally, just you go right there with no lead up. And so we have to, we say, check our, you know, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's, you got to be prepared for that when, when you are going to say no. Right. It kind of comes with the territory. And I was thinking just before this podcast, I'm just wondering why is it so hard to say no sometimes? And mm-hmm. it, it goes back to really immediate gratification, I think. When we, it's easier to say yes mm-hmm. because we know that we're going to have to deal with the fallout there in the moment. It's just like, oh, they're going to come back with me, at me. Like, all you do is say no. You never let me have this. And you just wait for it, right? Mm -hmm. And when you got stuff going on, and uh, that's the hardest thing as a parent is the consistency and the energy to maintain those boundaries. I think that's where uh, the problem with this no idea is, is the the energy and the the ability for the kids to wear you out. Like they have unending energy yeah. to test those boundaries. And us as parents, it's like, man, we just, we don't want to fight that battle. So sometimes it's just like, yes, quit, quit bugging me. Yeah. You know? And so that is where uh, the difficulty lies. And so we've talked about as parents, we want to play the long game. Okay. Because, even though in the immediate gratification they're going to stop and they're going to quit bugging us and they're going to get what they want, but it's going to be a lot harder later on down the line to be able to corral their behavior and their entitlement if we don't say no early and often. Yeah, yeah, and it gets it gets easier with time if if you're employing no appropriately uh, and saying yes as often as you can. Yeah. Right, like if you're saying no all the time, then no is just they become conditioned. To, right. it's, a, it's a meaningless thing. So if you don't, you know, rules without relationship equals rebellion. It's another thing we say. So that no only has power in the context of many, many other yeses. But along with that is the you are building in them the ability to hear no and to not react. Um, in a rebellious way, to not react in a, a triggered way, like a, a trauma response. Yeah, they they have to practice that. They have to hear no multiple times in the right situation, and it might take weeks, months, years of people's lives, depending upon their their history, yeah. before they're they're able to to hear that. So we are kind of training them here at Whetstone to to hear no. And yeah. you're going to have to train your kids, your teenagers, especially if you've gotten into a situation where you have appeased them or where you've just you've come through a period of illness or sickness or a bunch of little kids taking up all your time. And so you've just been neglecting this, you know, teaching this skill to your teenagers. It can creep up on you, you know, and they might be pretty far into their teenage years yeah. when you pick that back up. Um, but they will 
assuming there aren't other extenuating circumstances with the trauma and everything, uh, which is why we exist, right? Yeah. That's the, the boys that we hear just have these extreme responses to know that can't cannot be handled in right. oh a parenting seminar or a training or yeah. read a book like this Next is level. some heavy stuff we're dealing with at times yeah. but if you're in that situation where you just kind of gotten away from you a little bit it'll take you some time yeah. but they'll eventually they'll come around and they'll they'll realize okay you know you teach them some skills like you talk them talk them through it yeah right? use it's logic never too late yeah. never too late to start that yeah but yeah i'm, a, I'm reminded of a story that I was thinking about probably a couple of years ago now with, uh, I think it was Evelyn. We've talked about before I have six kids, so it's... It's still one, six, right? When it was still six. Okay. Nope, not... Uh, it's going to be stuck at six right. for a while. <laughs> uh, you know, one kid comes in and asks for a snack. If you say yes, yeah. well, then you know five other kids are going to come running in there. Mm. Oh, I want one. I want one. I want one. Yeah. And she came. I was just in the kitchen. I was doing something. And she's like, Dad, can I get a snack? Can I get a bowl of cereal? And I just, <laughs> she saw the look on my face. I was just like, I did like the Napoleon sigh. I was just like, because <sighs> I'm just thinking, I, I want to say yes to her. But I know if I say yes, then I'm going to have to say yes to five other kids, and there's going to be cereal everywhere. And I'm just thinking mm-hmm. this whole thing in my head. And so, I, I mean, I literally sighed, and I'm just like trying to figure out what to say. Am I going to say yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> and Evelyn just butted in, and she goes, Dad, you can just say no. <laughs> and I'm just like... Okay, I feel really dumb. A, yeah. a nine-year-old just wow. uh, gave me some good parenting advice. Yeah. You know what? I can say no. Wow. So what a, what it idea. was. Uh, so yeah, I said no. Thank you, Evelyn. But uh-huh. um, so I just I thought of that as we were preparing for this, and so yeah. let's we can say no and not feel bad about it. But it also what goes to what you said. Like she's was used to hearing no. Yeah. You know, I have said. Laura and I had obviously told her no on plenty of other things, so she was used to it, or else she wouldn't have suggested that. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, our kids, if we if we do it like you said early, that's the yeah. easiest thing to do. But it's never too late if you've kind of let that ship sail early on. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so that that kind of covers the entry level no, right? We, we've learned some techniques. We're practicing these things. We're unemotional. We're doing what we can to explain the rules. We're developing the relationship. We're understanding all that. But then sometimes your kid just does it anyways. Okay? Well, now no, we got to go next level here, right? So now no becomes um, something that is not working. So I have to have, you know, what we say around here are consequences. It's going to, oh, that's going to be a consequence. Or around here we have a term called PR, which stands for uh, privilege, privilege restriction. restriction, and that's a that's a bad word around here. If you're on yeah. PR, it's not personal record. You know, if, if you're <laughs> somewhere else, you might hear PR and think, "Oh, that's good, personal record." I set my PR in swimming or running. Here, it's it's a bad thing. It's a it's a privilege restriction, which means they can't have maybe dessert or Sweet. they can't use their free time they want go to go off campus. Any number of things. That's right. So you have to have those boundaries in place. Those consequences. This is one of the very first things I learned as a teacher was I have to have my rules and then I have to have the consequences of what happens if those rules aren't followed because they will not always be followed. You need to plan for that. Yeah. 
So you have to figure out what those consequences are, and those consequences have to be effective for the individual child. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. <laughs> so we're hearing some little noises above our head. Um, so the consequence around here, you know, we tailor them to the ranch, the environment that yeah. we have, the kinds of things that guys like to do, the kind of things that we can take away, you know, the sticks, for example. And we could talk another time about the carrots, right, yeah. about what happens if, if you do obey the rules. But the sticks. So what are some things um, that you found effective in terms of consequences for what happens when no doesn't doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because I think we've been trying to answer that the best way possible the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like what every boy's different. What's going to motivate this kid? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the work consequences just doesn't work. And so some of the other things that we do to try to have some leverage to, to help them, you know, understand is, is taking away some things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times financial consequences are, uh, effective mm -hmm. money speaks, uh, languages yeah. all, all through generations. So yeah. they get an allowance here. They, they work on their work days and doing their normal duties. They, they get an allowance and they get more as they progress through the program. And so some, I think a lot of times with the consequences fitting the behavior behavior or the, the, the negative behavior is helpful. Like if they get mad and they throw a rock through a window, like, Hey, this cost us a hundred bucks to fix this window. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time we're not going to, I mean, if it's a $20 item, sometimes we'll take $20 straight out of their allowance. Um, if it's a very, you know, expensive item, some of that just comes with the territory. We're not going to like make them work it off their whole time. Right. Uh, cause that would just bury them. But a lot of times we'll just take a good chunk of money out of their mm -hmm. allowance that they've earned and just say, Hey, this is this life. Yeah. You know, restitution. You, you break it, you mm -hmm. buy it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. The financial one is a good one, uh, especially as they move into the teenage years. Cause you have... Sometimes that's the only thing oh, yeah. that you have tying them to you is the, the fact that you hold the purse strings. Yeah. If you, they don't get money from you, they don't have gas, they can't go anywhere. So they're pretty much stuck. Yeah. And if you're like us and you live way out in the country, it's even better because <laughs> they're really, really stuck. Yeah, you got two teenage drivers. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you could yeah. take away? Yeah. You know? Well, like the month, thankfully, I don't have to do a whole lot of this. The types of no that I have to say or. They're not like big no's. Um, they're like, okay, you can't play more games until you finish your homework, or you can't do this until you take out the trash, or these types of things. So, but I, I do have to remind myself to follow up on those things because, especially after a long day of work of dealing with kids who are kind of tend to be rebellious, yeah. to see that attitude in my teenagers is really difficult and it, I can do one of two things. I can either overreact because I'm up to here with right. all, all day long. And the other is to just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't come home and do the same thing I've been doing at work. It's just, I don't have the emotional capacity to do it. Right. Um, so Plus you, do, you drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> I can do 50 pushups in two minutes. And so, um, but yeah, the financial one is, is a big one. Um, 
other consequences. Um, well, before we get into that, I, I do want to mention that some consequences you should not use, <laughs> um, like taking away basic necessities. And I include in among this like love and uh, compassion and things like this. You shouldn't give your teenager like uh, the cold shoulder, for example, and be like, well, I'm going to show them and I'm just not going to treat them with respect. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not good. Um, so beyond that, um, <clears throat> man, it, you were talking about things that you shouldn't do, right? Things I shouldn't do that you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I think where I was going with that is that, um, you have to, like, I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time cause I'm, it's the specific situation that I'm trying to think of. Yeah. So the, the consequence has to fit the crime. So that's another thing you shouldn't do is you shouldn't, um, uh, what's the disproportionate response, right? Right. Like this, this rule was violated. And so I'm going to respond by taking away your, your car, right? Or you won't take out the trash. So I'm going to say, well, you're grounded for a month or something like that. Right. So, and th- these are types of things that we are prone to do mistakes that we make as parents yeah. to just press the, the nuclear option yeah. and be like, okay, this all ends now, you know, in one fell swoop, I'm going to take care of all these things. And that, that right. never, that never works. Well, yeah. And thinking about the environment here specifically where that comes into play, maybe a little bit more is just understanding the backgrounds of mm-hmm. our boys and speaking to the specific traumas that they have maybe experienced. We need to be cognizant of those things. So like sometimes a consequence where a boy is uh, super isolated and has to go, you know, cut down some trees by himself mm-hmm. and nobody's around. Like there may be some things in his past where that could trigger him in a yeah. different way and, and needs to be around some people and, and has been isolated too much for very unhealthy reasons, yeah. you know. So there's just, there's things like that that, uh, I mean, as a parent, it's just you have to be plugged in and understand yeah, you and, can, and know your kids. You can make the situation worse. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a really good point about isolating a child. That's Traditionally, you think about classrooms, the, the kid with the dunce hat on and the corner yeah. and the shame and everything like that. And while isolation can be a time for reflection and a time to realize... Uh, you know, I need to learn how to act better with people. And so bef- until I realize that and respect that, I'm going to be s- isolated from them. But it can also send a kid in a spiral, uh, depending upon his past, and, and you can really accelerate the, the problems that, that you're having with him yeah. or her, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so those are some do's and some don'ts, or more more specifically some don'ts. A- another one that occurred to me that I use frequently is the, the broken record uh, technique, which is uh, if you're being pestered and you're continually being asked to do something, you just continue to say no or continue to repeat whatever script it is. And that can sometimes have, be triggering as well because uh, it can ramp up someone's frustration with you. So you shouldn't do it in a way that's like intentionally annoying, you know what I mean? Yeah. To like to go go throw them. a good uh, bit of sarcasm in yeah. there with it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if if, if emotionally you can just say, well, you know, two can play this game. If you're going to keep asking me if you can do it, I'm going to just keep saying no. It's like 
I'm sorry, but the yeah. answer is still no. You know, oh, uh, I think you just asked me that. Uh, it's no. Uh, let me think about this. No, right? You can do it in some kind of humorous ways that won't be off-putting. And and uh, would you that... like a tall glass of no? <laughs> That's a good one. But eventually, they kind of get the point, and they're like, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna win this battle." Yeah. Here's something they'll do though. If you are working in an environment like we work in, where you have a team of people saying no, um, or if you're married and you have a spouse and the two of you have agreed to say no to the situation, they find some very effective techniques for going around your no and getting a yes from someone else, right? We call that splitting the staff. Splitting staff yeah. is what we call it, right? They go around your back. They wait until the perfect moment to ask your, your spouse to do something that they know is going to get a yes because they're distracted or right. something or they're in a good mood or something. Or and they know mom is a little bit more lax on right. this particular thing. And they know thing. there's a very low chance that the two of you will talk and communicate about the fact that the one said no and yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're masters at that. Mm-hmm. So don't so watch ever out for that. it. Yeah, watch out for the splitting the staff. Watch out for the workaround to the no and, and really communicate with whatever team or in your marriage about, about what what your game plan is and stick to that game plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one for us. Just thinking about, like you're saying, the communication with your mm-hmm. spouse, like bedtime is a, mm. it's just an interesting, it's a, it's tough for us to be on the same page because Laura has kind of a second wind at night. Okay. Um, and she really likes to read to mm-hmm. a couple of different kids and, and we, we do that with, with all the kids, but it's it gets to where it's carried out to the eleven o'clock hour sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, even during the week and I'm like dead at like ten thirty and like mm-hmm. ready to go to bed. And so I love the idea like what she's doing with the kids and and is is great. You know, I love that she wants to spend time and be intentional. But there's also they need to go to bed a little bit earlier and need mm-hmm. to know that that structure needs to be in place. And, you know, there's some time because a lot of times it's like, well, I'd like to have time just to maybe talk to my wife at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a good point to be on the same page with how you handle some of those things, specifically as it relates to the structure. And even though it may go against what you're naturally bent towards, it helps to just create that boundary and and know for our kids to know where that's at. Right. So, yeah. One, let me throw one last one out here. We're kind of winding to a conclusion here. Um, this is one that we've employed here at the ranch, I think successfully one that was shared with me early on when I was um, a parent and was real motivated to go to, you know, seminars and homeschool things and everything. I forget the speaker, um, but he said that uh, he told a story about his daughter and uh, her like just totally disregarding curfew and coming in and making a real show of the fact that she had just violated curfew and like prancing through a room like of other like other adults were in the room too so it was this real like showy thing like and you can't tell me what to do i'm gonna walk in in front of all of your friends and you're not gonna have the guts to make a make a scene and uh what he did in that situation and the technique that he shared was the surprise attack 
consequence, which is really, I, I thought, wise and creative, which is to ignore the behavior where the rebellion is being exhibited in such a public and flamboyant manner yeah. and wait until the opportune time to say no and make that no related to, you know, make the consequence fit the, fit the, the crime. crime. And so what he did is he waited, I don't know, it was like, I want to say it was a couple weeks Ooh, right and it was salty. she wasn't she wasn't grounded for this behavior there totally wasn't unaware totally unaware to he waited until the perfect time when she wanted to so badly to go out with her friends and to see uh, this movie or beautiful. go to whatever and he was like well i'd really love to let you go but do you remember that time? You remember that couple one time? Weeks ago, a couple weeks ago when you came in and just was very rude and disrespectful. Oh, I'm going to have to say no this time. Uh, and Classic. And it was so good. It was so good because he didn't give her what she wanted and he didn't overreact and he didn't... It wasn't like he waited until it was like prom, you know, and like ruined her life with the no. It yeah. was just the perfect time to say no to where I bet yeah. she never forgot that. You know yeah. what I mean? I bet she, that point was so crystal clear when he said no, that anytime she thought about doing that again, like any sane it's person the, would be like, no way, that, that's yeah. not worth it, right? <laughs> the sneak attack. The sneak it's attack. It's like the delayed consequence. The de yeah. I love that. Very effective. So. Very effective. Cool. Um, well, we're I was afraid thinking, uh, just going back to, referring back to the Bible mm -hmm. and how God, you know, we refer to Proverbs, but I'm just thinking about, you know, Moses and all the time he spent in, in preparation in the desert and leading the Israelites and obviously was a very imperfect leader, but did a lot of good things too. But, I mean, God basically said, no, you can't enter into the mm -hmm. promised land. It's going to have to be Joshua. Right. Uh, because of a consequence, essentially, mm -hmm. is what it came down to. So it's just refer back, obviously, to is, is I guess an encouragement as again parent teachers, parents, teachers, and counselors. I mean, refer to the Bible. I mean, the answers are there, and what God expects of us as it relates to discipline and structure and these types of uh, things as we're dealing with our, our our young kids and teenagers. Yeah, yeah, and. Um... God's saying no, uh, like we referred to at the beginning, is a sign of his love for us. And sometimes he, he relents and he says yes, you know, even when he knows no is the best answer. And we learn from the consequences of the, fa of the, of the bad decision. The natural consequences. Yeah, and we have, to, we have to let, as parents, natural consequences speak at times, to realize we're not going to be able to control every environment they're in, and they're going to have to learn from their own mistakes. So that's yeah, that's another really good point about saying no is that sometimes the way that God has designed creation and the way society is structured is going to it's going to give them the no that they need. You don't have to be the one to tell them no. Yeah. Right. So yeah, just let let that one be a natural consequence. And if all of this fails, just fall back on Dale Sturdivant, how to. How to discipline through sarcasm and verbal oh. mock mockery. Right. So, 
I mean, that works, doesn't it, Axel? It, it can I mean, be effective. Can... Yeah, be, be, we should do... Tell really, me sarcasm is not effective. Let's do an episode on sarcasm, because there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> about the appropriateness of sarcasm, when to use it, when to not use it. Uh, Dissing your dog. Fun. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, that would be a good one to have Matt Foster on, though. Oh, we yeah. should. Okay. Next time he's in town, tell him we're going to do a podcast on sarcasm, and I bet we could reel him in, because he's... Reel him in. Yeah. If we could get him in. One of the best. One of the best Because he's... Uh, speaking of sarcasm, he's mm-hmm. really prompt about returning calls and <laughs> getting on uh, Yeah. Getting on things like yeah. this. We'll, we'll get him on. We'll reel him in. Yeah, we'll get him. Well, thanks for listening to Time to Sharpen. This has been uh, a lot of fun for me to just sit and... Shoot the breeze with my good buddy, yeah. Brandon Maxwell. Hope you learned a few things. Um, pay attention, please, to social media and see how we're doing. Like, share, all those things uh, with other people and get the, wor- get the word out about Whetstone and how we're growing and, and the services that we have to offer to help struggling families because that's, that's why we're here. Um, yep. Thanks to Tom, Thomas Brown for uh, helping out with the, the podcast, stitching it together. Um, do want to... Uh, mention the fact that Thomas does love the outdoors. <laughs> I don't think it's nice you laughing. He does love to, the outdoors. We did not mean to imply at the end of the last episode that he does not appreciate God's creation. See, my mule don't like people laughing. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. In fact, in, in yesteryears, uh, he was his, a his, scout leader, right? He was a scout leader. He's he's worked on uh, ranches and reservations and all right. over the United States. Hosted and, many uh, outdoor trips yes, for yes. young men. He was quick to mention, though, that he's never been somewhere quite like Missouri that where the ticks are so horrible. Yes. And Plentiful. I can understand that. Yeah. I can have we, some sympathy with that. It's I just got a, we went out a today. mess of seed ticks on me today. Just yeah. walked out there for a sec and I'm itching right now. Just I'm not even sure if it's a real tick <laughs> or if I'm imagining it. So yeah. Thomas Brown, thank you for doing this. And we did not mean to imply by any stretch of the imagination that you do not appreciate or admire <laughs> or want to engage in the outdoors. This is all very, very touching. So uh, but you're also really good at indoor stuff, like doing podcasts and and technology and things like that. So we appreciate Multi-fast that set of skills that you Multi-talented. Have. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, we will catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen. See you, Axel. Bye. Whetstone Boys Ranch is a therapeutic boarding school located in the scenic Ozarks of Southern Missouri. It was founded in 2011 to serve families from around the country who are struggling with challenging behaviors from their 12 to 16-year-old sons. Our mission is to sharpen the character of young men. Please visit whetstoneboysranch.com if you want to learn more about our program or about how to contact us for help. Thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen.